Welcome to the Trailbreaker Podcast. I'm Aaron Feinberg. In this podcast, I explore what it takes to be a trailbreaker through intimate conversations with people carving new paths across the landscapes of business, art, and sport, we dig in on how to excel across seemingly disparate endeavors. What drives people who manage to succeed multidimensionally? Is it how they think? Is it meticulous planning and follow-through? Or is it some measure of delusional optimism? My guest today is Jeff Moran, Chief Marketing Officer for the Jackson Hole Ski and Snowboard Club, and commonly referred to as the voice of Jackson Hole. When he's not helping the next generation of elite snow sport athletes, you can find him calling the shots for events ranging from competitions on Red Bull TV to local pig wrestling. We talked about how he moved past his fear of public speaking, why he never says no to a challenge, and the superpowers of conversational agility and social fluency. Good afternoon, Jeff, and thank you so much for joining the show today. Hey, what's up, Aaron? Thanks for having me on your Trailbreaker podcast. Stoked to be a part of it. Well, look, you're a guy I've known for literally half my life from our time at the University of Vermont to living in Jackson Hole, and uh, you are still there. And I'm excited to talk to you about how you went from being a bartender at Nick Wilson's at the bottom of the Jackson Hole ski area to announcing internationally televised competitions on Red Bull TV. Yeah, it's been um, a little bit of a wild ride. Uh kind of started with never even really planning to move to Jackson. I didn't know where this place was. I thought Jackson Hole was in Montana or something. Um, after college, I had a friend who was moving out here with a bunch of other friends. I decided I'd drive him out and stay for a week or two. That turned into an entire season. Um, I literally got down to the last $300 in my pocket. I decided I could either pay for fuel and snacks to get back to the East coast and move into my parents' house again. Uh, or I could figure out a place to live. And like within a matter of a few days, I ended up with a job bartending at Nick Wilson's. I ended up with a girlfriend and I ended up with a place to stay. So I gave all my money to the landlord and started from scratch. And yeah, here we are 20 some odd years later. I think that story, especially for those of us who lived in Jackson in the late nineties is not that uncommon. My first spot in Jackson was in a tent in the backyard of a friend's house and a, uh, and serving breakfast to people at Snow King Resort. So, so look, I know that, you know, a lot of the work you do now is, is emceeing, is commentating for these big events, is, is leading story slams for the community in Jackson, but you had a major fear of public speaking back in college. So how do you go from that to what you're doing now? The short answer is accidentally. Um, yeah, in college, I mean, I, I believe in not having any regrets, but not having any regrets. But honestly, like my college career uh, was essentially decided by um, when I could go snowboarding around my classes and which classes had oral presentations. Because if they had one in the syllabus and I had started the class, I would drop it. And then I would uh, find another class that didn't have an oral presentation. So it could, because I was so just scared. I could not get in front of people. I had a really bad experience in my freshman year trying to give an oral presentation and it just like shook me to, to my core. And so I ended up with a degree in sociology, which I've never used and you know, whatever, at least it's paid off now. Um, but yeah, I mean, cut to years later, I was in Jackson, uh, and I, I ended up being able to work for a company back in Burlington, Vermont. Still, they still are exist. They're called fuse marketing. Um, and so they work with all these brands and they create these, uh, activations and, and summer long tours 
that go along with different events. So like the do tour or uh, the warp tour. And I was working on the warp tour one summer. I was the manager of the, of the activation or the whole, the whole tour. And um, at the very last minute, the, the guy that we had hired to be our MC for the whole tour, like last minute, meaning we're getting in the bus and we're leaving in two days. And he calls and says, he's not coming. And, and it was the only position on our team that required some sort of skill. Uh, there had been a, a local kid in Burlington, Vermont, who'd been beating down our door. And he's like, I want to work for you guys. I want to get on this tour. Just give me, I'll do anything. And, and we were literally left without a choice. So we hired him and we're like, you have to be the MC. If you've never done public speaking, you literally have to learn this on the fly. And so over the course of that summer, he did a great job, but it was, it was long days. I mean, you know, we were, it was a slim gym promotion, uh, which was really funny, but yeah. So we were at every, almost every warp tour that summer and really long days. And so to give him breaks, I would just grab the mic and, you know, have fun with the crowd and play around and do things to get people engaged with, with our activation. And after that summer, I, I mean, there was no pressure. I wasn't hired to be that person. So it was really easy for me to sort of do whatever I wanted and have a good time with it. And uh, after that summer, uh, Fuse had another tour where the same dude who, who had, uh, bailed on the, on our tour, he was supposed to be the MC for another one. And so they asked me if I wanted to do that and I didn't really have any obligations or didn't need to be back in Jackson. So, um, I kind of jumped on this train and, and started working for fuse marketing for a bunch of different tours that they would put together. And, you know, it didn't really matter what the, uh, what the brand was that we were promoting. And it was like Mountain Dew or Right Guard or Hawk clothing or whatever. Um, but it was all kind of the similar formula where they'd have some kind of tour and this was the sponsor booth. Uh, or even sometimes I'd, I'd announce like skate contests or whatever. Yeah. And I just sort of like, I, learned as I went and got more comfortable with speaking in front of people. And, and I, I gave myself this rule that I wasn't going to turn anything down. I was kind of really proud of myself that I'd come from uh, essentially designing my, my college major around not speaking in front of people. And now I'm, you know, I'm like, well, I'm actually, I'm getting paid for this and being flown around the country to do it. And so uh, I think, you know, over the years, I've just made a point of not saying no when, when, when I get asked to do something and it's kind of led me to where I'm at. You know, and, and anyone who knows you personally, or I think even sees you live in these events, you know, can watch the agility, the, the flexibility, the dynamicism that you bring when you communicate. So, you know, go back to those times in your college days, you know, is there something different about the formality of that, that, you know, the presentation in front of classmates versus that sort of ability to riff that makes it easier for you? Or is it just, you know, the, the reps that you had in, in the commitment to just doing it and getting better or, or something else? You know, I think it was sort of a matter of coming into my own. I feel like, I mean, the, the term late bloomer, I guess I've used that before. Like, I don't feel like I was comfortable in my skin. And so after college and I, I you know, I'd moved to Jackson, I'd been here a few years. I was getting really embedded in the, in the snowboard community here and like really feeling um, like in my place. Uh, in my, in my tribe and, and had found my community. And so personally, I, I was gaining a lot of confidence and feeling really good about like, what I was doing. And, and I was kind of living the, the skid dream. I, you know, I worked at night and got to snowboard every day. And for a while there I had some sponsors who were sending me stuff. And um, it, it was just, you know, I, I just sort of eased into it. I eased into the announcing and emceeing role um, as I became more comfortable with who I was and, and, my, and I built my confidence. And then I consciously realized that, you know, 
there's this really, a lot of people early on would say, Hey, you have this really conversational uh, style of announcing or, or I'm seeing in an event. And, and what I started to pick up on is if I'd go to an event and they had an MC or, or someone was announcing something like you, you as a, as a spectator, I realized you really pick up on when someone's awkward, when they say something that's awkward and they can't sell it. And, and so I made an effort to just like be myself and, and, and not, you know, and realize that I'm not always going to say the right thing. I'm, you know, as long as I'm not offending someone, if I'm not getting like the trick, right. Or, or saying, you know, the perfect line every time um, that was fine because everybody could connect with that. And if I owned the fact that I said the wrong thing or messed up and like just moved on, like it made, it made me more human and, and easy for people to, to connect with me. And, and I would just, I found that that kept working and working. And so um, I mixed that, that confidence and, and, and sort of that, that conversational style with a lot of research. So every time, you know, I was working for brand X or client Y. Um, I put, I put in to this day, I mean, I put in a ton of time ahead of the event to make sure I know everything about the company. I know everything about, you know, what it is they're asking me to, to speak to. And, and so when I get up there, like maybe sometimes I'll have notes, but a lot of the time it's just sort of a, a, a security blanket in my hand. Like the reality is, is I've done so much research that by the time I get to, to the mic, I know what I'm talking about and I can, you know, honestly and thoughtfully speak to whatever it is that I'm, I'm there to speak about. And that makes it really comfortable for me. Um, you know, even though like I'll put in all these hours leading up and I'm like, man, do I really need to do this? But once I get there, it's like, all right, now we're, now we're just partying, we're having fun. And I can see, you know, there's this, like when you're doing a live event, there's this instant reaction, um, that you get from people, right? Like they either, they either enjoyed what you just had to say, or they didn't care, or they, you know, maybe on the other end of the spectrum thought it was absolutely ridiculous, but either way, like you can just go with that, you know, how to proceed. And so it's just been years of, of taking all of these little pieces of, of how to be in front of people and, and learning like, what is it that, that gets people excited? Yeah. I think that anybody who's really good at, at doing what you do is prepared. I don't think you get a pass. I mean, you can be naturally socially fluent and, and conversationally agile and really emotionally intelligent. But if you don't have the prep down, then that, that sort of automaticity, that flow, that fluidity, it just doesn't happen. And uh, I think that's awesome. So, you know, you talked a little bit about, you know, kind of coming into your, into your skin and sort of late blooming, et cetera. Did, did that, ability to sort of sink back in or sink into yourself and, and kind of grow your confidence and know who you were. Did that translate into the work you did with kids at the Jackson hole ski and snowboard club? Because you, you had a big role or still have a big role in terms of developing these young skiers and snowboarders that come out of Jackson. And, and I imagine, you know, you get them when they're in these, you know, pretty, um, impressionable places. And I think to have, you know, the ability to mold and shape and also model, you know, what, you know, being a, being a man, being an athlete, being a business person, imagine, you know, that, that rubs off on them in some way. Yeah. Um, my, my time and my different roles at, at the Jacksonville ski and snowboard club. Um, I've been there for, I think going on 18 years now and, and my time there and it actually, my time at the club aligns pretty much identically with how long I've been, uh, doing, you know, announcing and emceeing. And 
and it's worked really well together uh, from a logistical standpoint. Uh, it's just, it's, it works really well because a lot of the events that I announce are either put on by the club or they're, they're similar to what the club is involved with. Um, like kids, you know, kids ski and snowboard events, skateboard events, a lot of that stuff that I've done. Um, but, but as both of my roles were developing, so I started at the club as a head or as a snowboard coach, moved to head snowboard coach. And then ultimately for about a decade, I, I was the director of, of our free ride program. Uh, and now I'm, I'm the chief marketing officer, but all along the lines or all along that path, especially when I was working with kids, um, so I would, I would go off and announce an event, you know, or, or be a, announced for a sponsor at an event, like say the do tour or X games or something like that. And so being involved with that event or the events like that kept me like really connected uh, and really embedded in the ski and snowboard uh, world and industry. And then I would bring that back to the club. And, and, you know, there was there, not only did I, was I able to keep up on like who everybody was, what the new tricks are, but I, I would then take that. And I mean, there was some clout that I guess I brought back is in the kids eyes because I had just gone to the do tour. They didn't know that I wasn't actually like the Todd Richards or the Salama Mesakela, like calling the shots, but you know, like for them, they had this coach who, who went to the events, but I was also learning like, Hey, did you see so-and-so's runs at the X games? I got to watch that in person. Um, and, and then, you know, vice versa when I was coaching, right? Like my role was to engage these kids and to, and to make sure that what I'm saying to them is succinct and concise and, and, and not being too wordy, right? Like I could sit there and talk to a kid all day about how to, you know, learn a new movement or, or learn a new trick, but talking to them isn't going to do it. So I use that opportunity to figure out how to be, you know, a little bit more, uh, more poignant and, and, and choose my words wisely. Um, so I could get my point across to them. And so that skill then translated back to being on a microphone and, you know, realizing that, okay, I have this point I need to get across from, you know, whoever it is I'm working for and, don't jumble it. Like, like be sharp, be direct and, and have fun with it. Amazing. So I basically learned that if you want both audiences and teenagers to pay attention to you, <laughs> uh, be interesting and get there quick. Totally. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Make fun of yourself too. Definitely be self-deprecating because that, that works in both worlds. So the other thing that I know you've been up to is creating story slams within the town of Jackson. And, you know, I believe they were, they're part of the library. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's correct. Teton County library. Uh, so there's a woman I work with Leah Schlachter and she got in touch with me about, I guess it was in January, 2014 was our first one. And she was creating this, this new event. I mean, I know they had been done. It was kind of modeled off of the moth series and said, Hey, I want to do this. She had got my name through a mutual friend and uh, asked me if I had any interest. And I'd, I'd never even heard of the moth, uh, which if you're not familiar with the moth, it's like a storytelling podcast series. Um, I'd never heard of it. So I kind of had to do some research, but again, that goes back to the, you know, I, I'm, I never turn anything down. Like, okay, this is an opportunity for me to just learn something new, learn a new skill and push myself outside of my comfort zone. And yeah, so since 2014, um, we've had, I think in the high thirties, we have another, we have one, our first 
in-person story slam coming up in, in July on July 19th. It'll be our first one back in person uh, in a while because of COVID we were doing them online, but essentially that's where I get to just be myself. Um, the way the format is, is, you know, I, I host this event. It's all crowd participation. So we, we, we say, okay, this event's theme is, you know, X, Y, or Z. The one coming up is skills, for example. And people can just show up and watch or people show up and put their name in a bucket and we pull their names randomly. Uh, and then they get to tell a story and you never know what you're going to get, you know? And some stories are just like off the charts, um, exciting and, and, and funny, or maybe really sad. Um, some people are really good at telling stories. Some people, uh, you know, maybe need a little more practice, but like either way, it's just this totally like myself and everybody in that, at that event, we're all experiencing it for the first time as it happens. Um, but the thing with the story slam is I didn't know this, but like, I think it was like the night before two nights before the first event, Leah, uh, texted me. She said, Oh, I forgot to tell you. Um, it's traditional for the, the host to, break the ice with their own story. And so then I was like, just instantly sweating bullets. I was like, okay, normally I'm sort of the middleman, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm not like the entertainment. I'm just sort of facilitating, making sure, you know, the audience knows about the action that's happening or the audience knows how to engage with what we're doing. But all of a sudden that changed, that changed everything. Cause I now had to, even for only like five minutes, I had to be the entertainment and, and, and the focus of that. And, uh, and, that really scared me. It kind of, it pushed me outside of my, my boundaries, like much further than I thought it would. Um, but now it's been, it's been awesome. Like at every single one of these slams I, for 38 story slams over the course of, you know, what, six or seven years now, um, I've had to come up with my own personal story that it, it relates to the theme to break the ice. And so that's this awesome challenge that every time I'm like, okay, here's the new, here's the new theme. And I'm just like going through the Rolodex. And I, I, I mean, the Rolodex is actually a really, really long list in my phone of all the things that have ever happened to me. And I'm just like scrolling through like, Oh, right. That'll, that'll fit the theme. But um, that event is where I really get to just be myself, have fun. Um, you know, it, it, I'm just, I'm just bringing people up, maybe making some comments on their story, cracking jokes, having fun. Uh, but it's like, I'm so proud of that event. Leah and I feel like have built like something really, we went from it being in, in a small little, pretty small little restaurant, Pinky G's pizzeria here in Jackson. Um, the first one, you know, pretty much blew the place out. We moved to a slightly bigger space. And then, you know, when we were last doing them live, we were filling a, a 300 plus person theater at the, at the pink garter. So yeah, it's, that's been that, that's sort of how I guess I can keep my chops up chops, you know, like, but how I can, we do one a month throughout the winter and I get to just stay on top of what it's like to engage with people. Yeah. I bet that Jeff Moran story vault is deep and dark. <laughs> <laughs> some, some are darker than others. Yeah. There's a few in there where, you know, like a theme will pop up and I'll say to my fiance, Amy, I'm like, Ooh, this one, what do you think that could fit the theme? She's like, absolutely not. Never. You can't tell that until we leave Jackson. I'm like, okay, well that might not ever be told then. Yeah. Uh, Amy is a good woman to have around for you. Absolutely. And uh, yes, there was a time where I was driving back to Jackson for a summertime visit and I got word of this whole story slam. And uh, I had the same feeling. I was like, I, I do this for a living and I need to go and tell a story in Jackson. And I came and did one. And I was surprisingly nervous that uh, those last four hours driving from Salt Lake up there, I was thinking about 
what I would tell and how I would tell it and would it land and how risky I wanted to go. So, yeah, I was so, I was so stoked that you, you threw your name in the hat and, and told a story. I mean, that's awesome. It's, and right. Like you, you are in front of people talking all the time, but it's just this different, it's just this different dynamic and it's fun to see, like we have people that come every single event and no matter what they put their name in the bucket and they're like, I'm going to tell a story and they don't really practice. And then you have the people who sort of build up the courage to, you know, put their name in the bucket and, and they don't really want their name to be picked, but, but they sort of do, you know, so it's the, you know, it's the full spectrum of, um, of people, like people that really get off on being in front of a crowd and people who are like, just like, I got to do this. I, even if it's only once in my life, I have to break through that fear and just get up and, and tell a story. I want to eventually get to, you know, what it takes to go from, from all these amazing experiences that you've been doing in Jackson to then bumping it up to the international level. But before we go there, I'm curious, you know, Jackson, like a lot of mountain towns or resort towns, et cetera, there's a lot of distractions from the activities to the social scene, to the travel and the off seasons. So like, what does it take to stay focused enough to actually move your life and your career and your, your skill set, you know, in these new upper directions while also, you know, remaining connected to the town and to have a life that is worth living while, while being there. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, for me, it's, it's definitely a balance. Um, I feel really fortunate because, you know, there's, there's these events that I've done recently, like natural selection and, and Kings and Queens, which are on obviously a much grander scale, but I do a ton of events around town. I mean, just this past weekend, I was, uh, the announcer for, um, the touch a truck event, like a, a kid's, uh, a fundraiser for the Jacksonville children's museum. And, and so I try to do everything, you know, and, and for me, um, it doesn't matter what the event is, but I always look at it like, okay, whether it's, you know, on the grandest scale or just, just like a small community event, um, or not so small community event, um, that allows me to constantly be involved. And, and that essentially is my involvement. Like that's, you know, there, there was a point where I found myself and, you know, this is a little bit pre COVID, but I found myself getting to go to all the events that I wanted to be at. And I was getting paid to be there as the MC, you know, and, and, and so I'm having fun. I'm getting to be a part of the event I would have attended anyways. And then what I started to realize is on a regular basis, people started saying like, you announce everything. I see you at everything. And it's like, Oh, like what are, you know, the, the, it's sort of the light bulb went off and I'm like, that is my marketing. Every time I, every time I do an event, I'm literally like in front of people marketing myself for potentially another event. And, and so it's gotten to the point where I've had to, you know, over the course of the, the years, like I have to make decisions about, you know, how many events can I do? Like what's comfortable to fit into my schedule. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to get burnt out on it. Like it's this, this really awesome side hustle, I guess you call it, uh, that I'm passionate about and that it challenge, it challenges me, it pushes me out of my comfort zone. And I don't want it to get to a point where, you know, I, I, it feels like a job, right? Like, and, and, um, I think I mentioned earlier, it, it, like it fits timing wise really well with my, my career. I'm, you know, I'm kind of a nine to fiver and a lot of the events I do are either in the evenings or on the weekends. And so uh, those complement each other really well. And as long as I'm, you know, staying conscious of not burning myself out on it and, and also, you know, really being, uh, being honest with myself about 
my, my worth and my, and my value. Um, and that, I think that's a really hard thing. You know, you're kind of reevaluating it every year, like, okay, just because I've done X number of events or, you know, an event with, you know, so-and-so sponsor name on it, like, how does that affect my value? Does that bring any value to the next event? They may not care that, you know, I was involved with natural selection. So um, yeah, it's, it's a constant balance. Uh, and as far as like being involved with the rest of Jackson uh, you know, there's that saying you got to make hay when the sun shines. And, and for me, it, it, another thing is I'm fortunate that a lot of these events uh, line up in the winter. And so in the winter, I'm crazy busy, but I, I normally would be anyways working for the Ski and Snowboard Club. And so I'm just, you know, a lot of communication with Amy, a lot of communication uh, with the executive director, Allie, at, at the Ski and Snowboard Club, and just making sure like, okay, if I do this, you know, is that going to negatively impact, you know, our relationship or, or, or our professional relationship? Because the last thing, you know, those two things definitely come before me. Like, I'm not just out there like, you guys pick up the pieces. I'm going to go off and do my own thing. So I think communication and, and, and being honest with myself about, you know, is this something I want to do? Is it going to help me move that ball forward? Um, and, and am I going to enjoy it? If I'm not going to enjoy it, then, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. You, you're talking about, you know, being purposeful and in, in designing your life and, and then being reflective enough to sort of think about whether a, a redesign is necessary and, and whether, you know, all of the, all the important parts, relationships and, you know, satisfaction and, and, and bringing in the abundance is, um, you know, is, is happening the way you want it, which I think is awesome. And I think, you know, it is really important for people to, as they grow, to continue to ask for, or for, excuse me, ask for what they've earned, right? Not what they deserve, but what they've earned. And I think that, you know, those are, those are reckoning type of conversations that, that we have with ourselves and, and understanding that, you know, you ultimately do set your bar for, for your value and in what you believe you're worth. And obviously you have to deliver, uh, but it's important to, that it's not, you know, it's not being greedy. It's not being selfish. You know, if you are earning it and, and you're delivering at a high bar. And I think that that's, that's super awesome to see, you know, everybody who's, you know, started off, you know, back in the late nineties in Jackson, it was just a little town of 6,000 people. And then who has just, you know, climbed the ranks in all these different areas. So, you know, what, what was required of you, if anything, to, to then bump it up to this next level um, or whether you had just built the skills and those opportunities arose and then you were ready for them, or did you have to, did you have to up your game even more? Uh, you mean, in order to be involved with like natural selection and Kings and Queens, that sort of thing. Um, I, I didn't, to be honest, I didn't really have to do anything in, in order to like, I didn't have to apply or throw my name in the hat. Um, honestly, those events came along the same way that all the other events do. I, I, I do, you know, I do a lot of events. So people, recognize that I'm, you know, people call me like, Oh, you're the voice of Jackson hole. I, 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 that's not my thing, but people say that. And, and they say, you know, people, I do enough events where I'm, I'm regularly seen and, and, and I don't have any one 
type of event, right? Like, so I do ski and snowboard events, skateboard events, gala fundraisers, um, competitive beer drinking contests. I mean, like it's like all over the map and it's essentially like, if you need someone to speak on a microphone or talk about what's going on, I can do that. So when it comes to like Kings and Queens, uh, I do a lot of work. I'm, I'm, I'm really involved with, with Jacksonville mountain resort, both professionally through the ski and snowboard club. Um, but also, from an announcer's perspective, like I, I've done, um, you know, many other events for them. Uh, I annually announce their, their Dick's ditch bank slalom. And so, uh, you know, the first year I did Kings and Queens was, was two winters ago. And so when they needed someone, they, they decided they wanted sort of, you know, a recognizable face, uh, who, who's involved with, with a lot of the Red Bull events, which, which is, DC, a good friend of mine. And then, and then they wanted someone local who kind of knew, you know, the local athletes knew about the local culture, about the mountain. And, and so, you know, I don't know what their decision-making was, but I think it it seemed like probably a pretty, a pretty good fit. Cause I was already, they already knew that I I could speak to the mountain uh, in, in that way. And and that I knew all of the people. So that's kind of how I got involved with, with Kings and Queens. With natural selection, I think, you know, having already been involved with Kings and Queens, I was on the Red Bull radar. Um, I was on JHMR's radar as far as having been involved with a, with a really high level event like that broadcast event. And then um, I just, you know, I'm friends with Travis Rice and he's seen me do quite a few events. And I mean, he he's told me personally that he likes my personality and the way that I do events. And so that was really like, you know, he made the call. Um to have me involved. And, and I was really, I was really fortunate to, to just, you know, I felt really honored to be selected. Um, another part of that too, with, with natural selection is, you know, our good friend, Melissa Larson, uh, who unfortunately passed away a little over a year ago, Melissa, you know, was really involved with the, the planning and design of all the natural selection, uh, or, or of the natural selection series as it was, was, you know, going from essentially Travis's brainchild to, to an actuality. Um, and so Melissa being one of my closest and dearest friends, she, I think she kind of put the bug in, in Travis's ear too. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, so it's, I guess it's, again, it's all who, you know, right. Like all of the events I'd done and all the people I knew got me to that, to that stage. Yeah. And I mean, I think as you were mentioning, you know, it's, you wind up knowing more people when you put yourself out there, when you say yes to things, when you, you know, when you, when you just continually evolve and that's, that's awesome. So on that theme, anything that's in your pipeline, you know, that we wouldn't know about whether it's a, you know, another big event on the international stage or even something maybe a little tangential. Uh, there's, there's nothing that big right now. Um, like I was saying, the summer tends to be a little mellower. Uh, I, I did just have that fundraiser a couple of days ago. We've got a couple story slams coming up. Um, all this stuff is, is pretty local, you know, community events in Jackson. Um, one really fun event that I get to do is for the Teton County fair, it, uh, their, their annual figure eight races. So I, this is, you know, I'm, you know, the event very well. It's like the, one of the best nights of the summer in Jackson hole. And for, I'd say about 17 or 18 years, I was in the stands, you know, yelling and screaming and betting on which, which car was going to win next. And then I, you know, fortunately again, through knowing people and having done a quite a few events, uh, 
other, you know, other events and getting my name out there. Um, I got the tap to, I actually was doing a few events for the, the county fair. I did pig wrestling. I did Ninja, the Ninja warrior event. So like all these really fun, really different events that sort of, you know, keep it exciting. It's not the same cookie cutter formula every time. And yeah, so I get to do the, the fit or the figure eight races. And then after that, um, you know, I guess we'll see what happens next winter. Uh, you know, I, I love to be involved with Kings and Queens and natural selection event. And, um, you know, I feel like I held my own. I got some good feedback on, on being involved with those events. So hopefully, you know, the powers that be, uh, want to have me back and, and I'm in if they want me to. I think you're shooing, especially, you know, given your background with the pig wrestling. And I mean, <laughs> when are you going to announce the rodeo? The rodeo people have asked me that man, that, you know, the rodeo and the snowmobile hill climb talk about getting outside of my comfort zone. Those would, those would be really fun to do, but man, would I have to do some, some crazy research. I mean, those are like, that'd be like, an, you know, asking someone who knows nothing about snowboarding to be one of the commentators on natural selection, right? Like I don't, I didn't grow up rodeo. That's a lifestyle, you know, snowmobiling. That's a lifestyle, right? Like I'm not, I'm not embedded in those, those communities. So, um, maybe like if that, if I got that, the tap on the shoulder to do those, I'm not going to turn them down, but man, would I have some studying to do? <laughs> well, look, I know you have successfully transitioned some hobbies, you know, you still snowboard, but now you, you know, you drive around in your big monster white adventure <laughs> van. You've got some, you know, dirt bike, uh, dirt bike camping, <clears throat> excuse me, habit now. Yeah. Um, you know, rodeo and snowmobiles is not out of the question, Jeff. You are, <laughs> truly a trail breaker and this might just be where you're headed so so look <laughs> i really appreciate you spending some time on the show with me it's fantastic to hear what you've been up for up to for the last 23 and a half years i've known you so all the best have a great summer and uh, looking forward to hearing your voice next winter awesome thanks aaron really honored to, to be on your podcast thanks for having me all right take care cheers